0: Welcome to another edition of the Sermon Seconds Podcast. I'm Jordan Bird, joined by Mitch Knight, and we are going to be talking about Psalm 131. And to get us started off, Mitch is going to read Psalm 131 for us.
1: My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore.
0: I preached on this psalm recently, and the tagline that I had to begin the message, and there's a couple of them that I included, and the first one was contentment as being sort of the overall theme of the message but contentment is a result of being with god to cease being god so the idea of um, contentment is a result of us spending time with god but spending time with god removes our desire or inclination to want to be god which comes out in our being arrogant and our haughtiness and trying to be over and against other people and the other um Tagline that I used part way through. If my computer would work for me here. Da, 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 Mitch, you need faster internet apparently.
1: <laughs> I have gigabit.
0: No, oh, it's probably in my computer. I'll get it here eventually. It's probably because I'm if anyone knows <laughs> me, I have a gazillion tabs open on my computer, so that alone is probably part of the problem.
1: It's okay, editing Mitch. You're cutting this out anyway, and we'll see.
0: I get to page who knows where of my message here. Oh, here we go. So the other tagline is contentment is a result of being with God to receive the good life that he has for us. So receiving the good life that God has for us is another way of stating what it's like to cease being God. It's allowing God to be where he is supposed to be in us in our place where we should be as being creation. God is creator, us as creation and us receiving life from God as he gifts it to us. And the overall theme of contentment that I I would like to flesh out, I guess, a little bit more in this format is just the idea that the psalm talks about not concerning ourselves with great matters. And it says that following the idea of being proud and having haughty eyes. And what I just wanted to add was that a lot of our discontentment in life I think comes from the fact or can come from the fact that we believe we become content or are satisfied with life or have a good life when we can aspire to great things. Uh, whenever we lack purpose or meaning uh, some of the ways we can go about trying to fill that void is by trying to achieve great things or by putting ourselves over and against other people. Like, well, I'm not like that person. So by me, being better than that other person gives me meaning just in that me and that other person relationship that they may have no idea about, but I'm putting myself kind of over and against them. And it gives me this sense of meaning uh, that I'm better than they are. I'm over them. I have this role. They don't have this role, something along those lines. And the whole concept here though, is that that's, it's false. It's a false sense of purpose. It's a false sense of meaning it's not to say that pursuing things are bad, that, that being ambitious towards something is bad in and of itself, but the motivation for being ambitious or for being proud or being haughty, you know, toward another person is, is ultimately the issue. Cause if it's to grasp for meaning or try to make it happen in and of ourself, we're already taking the place of God in a sense. We're not, I mean, if you look at scripture as a whole, if you look at the life of Jesus in general, specifically, you see like Jesus gets his sense of purpose and meaning from his heavenly father, like it's received from him, it's received from his father. And so as followers of Jesus, we're called into that same dynamic of the meaning and purpose of life is something that's gifted to us, that we receive as a gift by being with God being in his presence, it's not something that we make happen on our own. It's not something we, we grasp or make happen in our own power. It's not to say that we're like just passive, that we don't have anything to do with interacting with what God has given us in the world. Um, you know, God calls us to, to be workers to, to go out and to cultivate and, and do things with the creation that he's made. But at the same time, there's an order to that. There's the way in which he's designed for us to interact with it. And when we as humans think we can sort of manipulate or twist creation to satisfy our own longings and desires outside of receiving it as a gift from God, it puts us in the place of God where we end up distorting or grabbing for more than what we're even capable of doing as human beings. So a lot of that to me comes out of these three verses is the idea of contentment isn't something that we can make happen on our own. And I think a lot of people are trying to do that by the things that they're trying to pursue or do in life. Whereas I think the Psalmist is simply trying to say like contentment happens when you realize that God has given you all that you need. If you can just get your plate, if you can get, if you can submit yourself to the place of not trying to grasp for things or put yourself over and above others, but it, Receive what God has given you, that he's made you a creature in his creation, that he's given you a role within it. And he's given you gifts and abilities and things to live into that and receive that and and enjoy what he has given you. But ultimately, that's a result of who he is in giving it to you, that he's a gracious person, that he's a gift giver, that he has given you the gifts and abilities. And all that comes back as just a reflection of who God is, and it shows itself in and through your life. But none of that happens if we don't spend time with God. And by spending time with God, He's a, He's able to then strip away that desire to want to be over and against others, or to grasp for things greater than we need, than we should. And so that was kind of the broader idea that I didn't really get to kind of flesh entirely, flesh out entirely in the message. But um, hopefully, that gave a little bit more context or nuance to uh, the taglines that I gave within the message. What are your thoughts, Mitch?
1: Uh, For me, to sum up, I think part of what you're saying, what I get out of this and what I get out of what you're seeing in the Scripture is just control. It's a matter of great matters, maybe are worth something concerning yourself with, but not out of the sense of trying to play God and manifest it yourself and try to find the good life by yourself. But... The good life and great matters are a result of just merely being in God's presence and surrendering your control or your identity as a God to the real God. Uh, I think in verse two it says that, you know, nicely it's about being a weaned child. You mentioned this in your sermon. It's, you know, when you're a baby, you need to be nursed by your mother. But at a certain point, when you develop into maturity, you move on to solid food and you're not necessarily looking to your mother for the total, you know, feeding of your, or the total, what am I trying to say? The,
0: um. Like having a life with God isn't yeah. something that's spoon fed. Right. That's not an That's not what it's meant to be.
1: And that's that's what I'm getting to. You're not getting your complete nourishment from your mother at a certain point. You're just content being with your parents, which is something that Jordan brought up. I mean, if you're intent on having your whole Christian walk be fed to you based on what you hear on Sunday, that's it. I mean, like Jordan and I in our conversations before we recorded the podcast, we were both struggling to remember some things that were happening. What? Sunday is meant to do, it's meant to give us guidance, it's meant to give us direction, but, you know, we're, as mature followers of Jesus, supposed to be feeding ourselves because we've grown into that maturity. We're supposed to be in the Word, we're supposed to be into, you know, in prayer. And the reason we show up on Sunday is because we're content with being in the presence of God. It's another experience for us to be in His presence, to be with Him, and that's just another way for us to experience that contentment, not to try and control it. But just to be with God, so I hope that made sense. But that's kind of what I get out of this psalm and what you were preaching about.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the whole idea of like immaturity maturity because that definitely was something else that that popped out to me in getting ready to talk or you know speak about this psalm. But yeah, just that whole idea. I mean, probably everybody, you know me and Mitch and anyone listening probably has heard someone say before, like, I don't know if I am getting fed or I don't know if I got anything out of that message or as if like following Jesus is something that we're supposed to be constantly just be like spoon fed that, that someone else is supposed to do for us. And it it doesn't mean that those elements can't be there, that getting something out of a sermon, like an aha moment is, is not supposed to happen. Like that those things do happen. Do they necessarily happen every week or every time you hear a message? No. Sometimes it's mere reinforcement of something you've heard before. I mean, this may be like an odd example, but just think of any TV show you watch. Like, everything in the TV show is not a, like, revelatory moment. Like, it probably reinforces some history you already know about culture. It reinforces some cultural norms that you probably don't think anything about. Like, people sit down to eat, and you're not like, oh, people sit down to eat. Didn't know that. Like, no, like, we already know that. It just reinforces it, but it ends up telling something broader in the broader story that's told. And that's often what Sunday morning is about is it's, it's one element that's helping to reinforce the broader story that we all live into. And so, yeah, Sunday morning and and a sermon has its place. It's not that it doesn't have a role as if we can just stop doing it and, and be fine. Like it does have a direct, it helps direct and sort of shape how we, are regrounded, I guess what I'm trying to say is it helps reground us into the story that we're called into and in following Jesus. Like it does have a role and it can have aha moments along the way, but we know just from being children that like, we're not meant to be spoon fed our entire life. And the same reality is the same as being a child of God. We're not meant to be children like child, you know, immature children like we are children of God, just like all of us are children of our parents. Like that never changes, but our maturity level does, ch- or is supposed to change along the way. Like we think, we don't think someone is right when they're still acting like a child <laughs> into their adult years. You know, if they're a healthy functioning adult in, in the full sense, like we think that's odd. And the same thing is true of the Christian life of following Jesus. Like, there's a sense in which we are to become more self feeders. And it doesn't mean that people don't like cook for us and serve us along the way. But ultimately we learn to sort of do those things in conjunction with those things. Just like all of us probably don't cook dinner for ourselves every night. Sometimes we go out to eat. Sometimes people serve us like that's fine, but that's not the like heart of our life. And probably most people would say like, if you did all the time, like that's probably not a healthy holistic way to live either. Cause you're missing out on part of what it means to do life, like interacting with the food that you eat and the people that you get to eat it with. Like there's a whole larger form of life that we get to engage when we actually participate in the process. So yeah, the whole immaturity, maturity thing definitely stands out from, from the Psalm. Any other thoughts that kind of stand out to you, Mitch, that you want to highlight from this Psalm?
1: Well, just the last thing is the final verse, which you know, a lot of times could be seen as a throwaway verse for lack of a better term. But, you know, it says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Like these processes that Jordan and I are talking about are something that has to happen, like, Every day. I mean, we were called in scripture in Luke 9 and 14 to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily and follow after the Lord. It's not something that can just be put on the back burner or reserved to, you know, one hour on a Sunday morning. It's more of a lifestyle and, you know, being a weaned child is a lifestyle and everything that's mentioned here is not just now. It's forevermore. It's until he comes back. So, you know, sometimes we need to be regrounded in that and we're always going to be making improvements until we see the Lord once again. We're always going to be shedding stuff off, but that's the last thing that I really get from it is that it's a lifestyle. It's not just a one time reminder. It's more of this Psalm is kind of functioning like we're talking about Sunday morning. It's giving us direction in feeding ourselves, reminding us who we should be. And that doesn't just happen one hour on a Sunday. It happens every hour, every day. So,
0: Yeah. I mean, where I would close with this thought is that the idea of put your hope in the Lord, I mean, you could say in another sense, like, we put our hope in a lot of things. I mean, go back to the first parts of the Psalm. People put a lot of hope in the great things that they try to achieve or the ambitions that they have in life or... Finding themselves over and against another person, like in a certain, they, you know, they aspire to a certain role or to a certain position. A lot of times we can put our hope in those things. And to me, the psalmist is saying, like, no, ultimately your hope needs to be in the Lord. And then when it's placed in the Lord, it's from there that you can receive great things to do, but they're in line with how God Is calling you to be a part of the world in which he's created in in a healthy way, in a full way, in an abundant life sort of way. And so to me, it's a call of where, where do you place your hope? Like you, a lot of times we can very easily like assent or like mentally believe, oh yeah, God's God and I'm not. But then we look at our actions, our, our, the things, the habits that we have and it can look like we're very, Uh, Craig Rochelle, a pastor in Oklahoma says like functional atheists, like is a book about that. Um, we we can like mentally agree that yeah, God's God and we're not, but then our actions show that really got, we're God in in our life. Like it's about what we want to achieve and we want to aspire to and we'll do it at all costs. And the point of following Jesus is that all costs isn't the way we're called to live. It's, within the bounds of, of how he's called us to live because it's within those bounds that we experience the fullness of life. And hopefully that's, uh, what I hopefully conveyed in the message, but I also want to encourage everybody to consider like, where is your hope placed? And where does your belief in like the fullness of life come from? Is it in what you're trying to achieve or is it in, first of all, uh, finding it in God and just simply accepting the good that he has offered to you. And by being just in his presence alone, we find that he is enough for us. We don't need him to spoon feed us each and every day, like who he is and what he's already given us is enough. Like we we're content just knowing that he has already provided for us and he has a place for us to, to live out in the world in which he's uh, made in a way that's purposeful and meaningful. And we don't have to strive and like, Make ourselves crazy trying to get life because he's already given it to us, and he's revealed the fullness of life in a not deceptive sense, and but in the full sense by what we've seen the life of Christ. To me, like what Jesus exposes on the cross is like you're he exposed the deceptive way in which we try to get life, and says no, just simply receive it from me, and then I can help you have a full life if you follow in my footsteps.
1: Yeah, and Hebrews four mentions that. In doing that, we enter the Sabbath rest of God. We enter a rest from our works. We can finally relax. We are united with God. He's given us everything. We don't need to manifest or worry or freak out. We can rest. And I think that just came to mind as a little...
0: And what's interesting is like Ab and Eve, think back to Genesis 3, they experienced that when God rests on the seventh day. Then the next scene, if you will, at least how we have it in Genesis, they're, they switch to striving. And then when they strive, they strive for something beyond what they should, they exit the rest and they just end up in like, they're grasping for life and it just become, it's not restful. It's not peaceful because they've tried to go outside of the bounds of what God has already given them that was already a full life, but they distorted it and it, and it brought chaos to their life and restlessness. They had it already. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the point. Like, we already have it in God if we would just turn to him and accept it and live within within it, into it. So, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this edition of the Sermon Seconds Podcast. And we hope it's been encouraging to you, and we hope you tune in next time. We'll see you next time.